Lewis. What's up, what's up? It's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life where we break down the bars, relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives. Just listen. Chance against the military tonight. I said we stand a chance against the military tonight. Welcome to another episode of Bars, Rhymes, and Life. Alan, how you feeling today, my brother? Feeling good. Today's track picked by you. Absol featuring Danny Brown. Terrorist threats. Really, really, really interested to know why you picked this track this week. Yeah, so I think I mentioned a couple of weeks back when we did another Absol track that the first time I heard Absol was in a bar in Amsterdam with you guys. And it was this song, the guy behind the bar who was like serving, but he was also queuing up tracks on YouTube. And I remember this one came on, the beat caught my ear, the video caught my eye because he was playing the videos as well. And I just remember after that, I just I just really got into the tune. It's got a really moody sound to it. And I think um, Absol and Danny Brown both just flow really well over this song. It was the first time I'd heard either of them, actually. And yeah, I just, just really enjoyed it. So I thought I might as, well, might as well bring it to the pod. Absolute fire, man. We've talked about Absol before. We've we've picked him before. So, you know, if anyone loves Absol and wants to listen to us break down any of his of our other tracks, just go into our catalogue, you'll find him. I was interested by this track simply because I'm used to Absol's delivery on tracks like Hollandaise. Man, look, get up off my dick. Let me talk my shit. Let me show them how I feel for real. These niggas ain't ill. They ain't got no skill. They ain't got no will for real. I was 10 and 2 on Central Road trying to make my dream come true. Younger from Delamo trying to let y'all know just what we go through. I was back to back at the Bastard Shack for a pack of blacks. Ain't one no F. As a matter of fact, it was half a half. And drift away. I seen mama make a left on Main Street. Had to flag a fine ass down off instinct. I'm in the Mitsubishi Mirage. In dire need of a car wash indeed. She in the little clean Camry. I'm hoping she'll look closer than what she can see about me. I caught her at the red light. She rolled the window down and greeted me with a smile. Sunny delight. His delivery is just slightly different on this. It's not bad or worse or anything. It's just different to 
the ab soul i have in my head and it might be because those tracks are like later catalog tracks or not i I don't really know where it fits in the timeline of his catalog but i've really enjoyed it and there's just a lot of like there's a lot of things for me that i've learned through this track already and a lot of things for me to just want to talk about so i can't wait to get started bro nice i'm up first if i was from the projects like j-rock i would have more than likely slang rocks all my life i hadn't been around crips and bloods pimps and thugs just to name a few i do drugs mama say it's in my blood but she don't know what the fuck i've been through to creep through the back door the typical black boy in the good old usa before i push rhymes like wait i used to want to play for the nba from the projects like J-Rock I would've more than likely slang rock All my life I done been around Crips and Bloods Pimps and Thugs Just the name of few I do drugs, mama say it's in my blood But she don't know what the fuck I've been through To creep through the back door The typical black boy in the good old USA Before I push rhymes like Wade I used to want to play for the NBA Bars, I snapped you on the last two lines Bit of a long one there for me I was going to try and separate it into different bits But it all just ties together nicely So I sort of just throw the whole thing in so my understanding is that Absol didn't like grow up in like the projects but j-rock did and and Absol thinks you know if he if he had grown up in that area maybe he would have ended up selling drugs and despite not being from the projects he's still kind of around the life you know he's still around gangs christian blood so he you know he was familiar with that lifestyle even if he wasn't a part of it which just kind of goes to show that you don't you don't have to be in like the poorest or roughest or most dangerous parts to be impacted by them. I also find it interesting that he says his mum doesn't know what he's going through, or he thinks that she doesn't know what he's going through, because I don't know anything about his family life, but I think it's something that all teenagers go through. There's like a period where you just, you feel like your parents don't get you at all, you know, maybe you struggle to get on with them in a bit of conflict. And then obviously you end up feeling frustrated by that and and if Absol is also like he just said close to the gang life it adds a whole other element into it that his parents might not understand or be able to to relate to but then the reason I pulled it all together is he talks about being the typical black boy and how about before he sold his rhymes he just wanted to play basketball professionally and if you combine that with the start of the section if I was from the projects I would have sold rocks it paints a picture of some of those limited avenues that are sometimes available to people from disadvantaged communities you know, you've got crime you've got sports and you've got entertainment and and i think for absol this is for him anyway this is what it looks like for like a young black man in america it it reminds me of that scene in in boys in the hood when when ricky gets visited by the the university recruiter because he's looking to get a scholarship playing football but the recruiter says to him, like, what's your backup plan? Like, realistically, you probably won't make the NFL. Most people don't. you gotta got to pick a major. you got to do something. And obviously, like, the recruiter is meant to be a wise role model. He understands the reality that becoming a fav- famous musician or athlete to the point where you can make a living off it is really hard. So you have to prepare yourself for a backup plan. It's just interesting in that whole section to hear Absol kind of hit those three areas of like crime, sports and entertainment that like young black men are often forced to choose one of those things. Crazy, man. Uh, Just to piggyback on something that you said there, it reminds me of the Kendrick bonus track on Good Kid Mad City, which I think is called Black Boy Fly. And he, he got a line that he repeats. He goes, I used to be jealous of Aaron Aflalo. 
I used to be jealous of Aaron to follow. I used to be jealous of Aaron to follow. He was the one to follow. He was the only leader for seeing brighter tomorrows. He would live in the gym. We was living in sorrow. Total envy of him. He made his dream become a reality, actually making it possible to swim. It's way up out of Compton with furthermore to accomplish. Graduate with honors, a sponsor, basketball scholars. It's 2004 and I'm watching him score 30. Remember vividly how them victory points had hurt me. Cause every basket was a reaction or a reminder that we was just moving back. Was the bungalow where you find us? The art of us ditching classes headed nowhere fast. Stick my head inside the study hardly focused on math. Determination, ambition, plus dedication and wisdom qualities he was given was the shit we didn't have. Who's an NBA player that made it from Section 8 in his area. And you know that thing, I I, I used to be mm. jealous of this guy because he is a basketball player. He fed my dream. So I snapped you on the line before I pushed rhymes like, wait, I, I used to want to play for the NBA, hey. And I don't know why. I mean, completely different take to you, Alan, two things. I don't know why, but there is something about Absol that made me feel or I'd even say no, he was actually a baller. Maybe it's because all the guys I've hung around playing basketball all my life, I could, I've just got this feeling that he could actually hoop. Like it's not one of them ones where he's just saying he wants to play basketball. He's actually saying it, I used to want to play for the NBA because I think he was talented at the game as well, if that makes sense. It's just something about his demeanor that makes me feel like he could hoop. And I want to make people be like, well, you're just saying that. And I'm not saying that. I want to, I wish someone would know or wish someone would have the chance to ask Absol. I've got few things that I would want, few statements to make about what I think Absol is like as a player. So I actually think he had mad hang time. So certain players can jump really high, but they can't hang in the air. This guy, I reckon Absol had mad hang time. I feel like he had really good footwork. Some basketball players don't have great footwork at all, but they're just, they're, they're in the, they're they're in the NBA because of just their size and their you know their 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 abilities and other things on the court. And I actually think he had a very Rashad Lewis type game. Final game is the Pacers, an unrestricted free agent. And the Pacers want none of that talk as Lewis knocks down the three pointer. Allen finds Lewis. Rashad Lewis. His first couple of field goals in this series. They're dragging up the floor. Lewis, that's a three. And he probably played like the two position or the three position. The reason why I'm saying all this stuff is because the NBA has been the fastest growing sport for as long as I can remember. But recently, I've got so many kids, so many youths coming up to me thinking that they know about NBA. They know about basketball. They don't know about basketball. I know about basketball. I'm not having debates with kids that start talking about players and like t- talking about Luka Doncic when they don't know who Rashad Lewis is. I'm not having it, yeah? Do your history, do your work, and then come to me with arguments about basketball players and not. And Absol, I wish I could have a conversation with you about how much of a baller you were you were or was or could have been. Um, so that was point number one. Point number two, and I'm not sure if you were aware of this, Alan, one of the reasons why he couldn't play basketball anymore is that actually he had contracted Stevens-Johnson syndrome a condition that I wasn't familiar with at all. 
And that stopped him from playing sports. He, he couldn't play sports anymore because of that mm. syndrome. It's a really rare condition arising from the overreaction of the immune system to trigger, su uh, trigger such conditions as blistering and peeling of the skin and surfaces of the eyes, mouth and throat. And I just thought, shit, man. You know, something like that happens. Like you had an aspiration for playing a sport or playing in the NBA or playing in the Premier League. And then just this random once a really, really rare condition hits you. It could so easily beat you up, right? And it could so easily just make you want to not be anything at all. And yeah, Absol is Absol. It's like a, it's an incredible inspirational story that he's a, he's an incredible writer. And what, uh, and just a, you know, interesting fact, that syndrome, Stephen John, Stevens Johnson syndrome is named after the two doctors who described it in the earliest 20th century. And I was like, you know what? It's so weird that your legacy as a, a doctor or someone will be the disease that you found out that actually causes harm to people. I just find that so interesting. Like you're, you're, those two doctors will forever be known as the guys that are part of that syndrome. And I just thought from a legacy per standpoint, it's kind of backwards in some ways, don't you think? Yeah, it's kind of messed up. You want to be known for for curing it not causing it <laughs> but you know what i did i did know about his illness just from listening to the album control systems where he, he talks about it on a couple of the tracks and that album's well worth a, a listen to anyone who's into absol fire man who's next you're up next i seen an image of hitler in the picture when the twin towers dropped peep the concept i seen an image of hitler in the picture when the twin towers dropped so a few years ago, I read this book called The Power of Habit, and there was this really powerful chapter on how crisis, or crisis Alan, how do you say that word? How do you say the plural of crisis? I'm going to go with crises. Crises have had a huge impact on an individual level, organizational basis. A real life example of this, as, as an individual would be when I blew my knee out and how the crisis of not being able to walk or play football led me to change and pursue a different lifestyle to ensure nothing like this ever happened to me again and even if it were to happen to me again I now would have like tools and the knowledge to navigate such an injury even better. On an organisational front there was a passage in the book about Martin Luther King and more specifically on Rosa Parks. You see, civil rights activism was happening all the time during that period, but there was like literally little, very little or no traction happening at all. Then basically, what happened to Rosa Parks when she refused to give up her seat on a public bus, precipitated the Montgomery bus boycott in Alabama, became the spark that ignited the civil rights movement in the U USA. She's known as the mother of civil rights movement, and it was the fact that she got arrested but because she got arrested and she was so incredibly well known within her community as just an incredible, humble and genuine human being, her arrest created an outrage, which created a crisis that was the bus boycott. And that's what created and ignited the, the steps that led to Martin Luther King delivering that speech and everything that happened going on forward. So these are two examples I've just given you are examples of how crises can be used to spin things in a positive way. But these bars by Absol 
have highlighted to me how crises can be used to manipulate situations in a negative way. I jacked the following from Rap Genius, yeah? I had no idea at all, and this happened in the video. So when I watched the video, that's why I searched it up. In 1933, Hitler took advantage of the of a Dutch arsonist burning down the Reichstag? Reichstag. Reichstag to blame the Communist Party in order to get rid of them and cement his authority in Germany. The first modern false flag operation. Absol may be implying that the same shady business was going on when the Twin Towers were hit, that it wasn't Al-Qaeda or any other extreme, extremist group, but it was the good old USA undercover plan to start the war in Iraq. And whatever you think about the absolute awful tragedy that was 9-11, however it may have played out or happened in your mind, you can't justify killing a million innocent people in Iraq. But that is how they used the crisis of 9-11 they used the crisis of 9-11 to legitimize a war in Iraq because they said to us, oh, they got weapons of mass destruction and they're a threat to the entire world. And I just say this, like, imagine you're an individual, you're, 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 you're a soldier, you've killed 10 innocent people in Iraq and your best friend died in battle, but you feel okay with it because you, you know you did your duty to your country and you know you did your duty to those that died in 9-11 and you told yourself that you made the world a safer place. But when it's all said and done, and you find out that there's no weapons of mass destruction at all, like what the fuck, what do you tell yourself then? Did you know that 4,586 American soldiers have died in Iraq? 11 soldiers died in 2020. Like Saddam died a long time ago, and there are, we know that there's no weapons of mass destruction in there. So why are people still dying? Why are innocent American soldiers dying there? It's fucked. And I just thought it was really interesting because I've always used that passage about crisis in a positive way. And I've never noticed how actually crisis can be used as an, an opportunity for people who have got other intentions. It can be used as an opportunity for people who have got other intentions other than good ones. And it's just good to know. Yeah, there's always going to be people willing to capitalize on on tragedy and on, on fear and on, on all sorts of things I, I i don't buy the false flag thing at all but i know a lot of people did feel that way but they, they certainly um they certainly made the most of it uh, uh so actually i snapped you on just the very first line there uh, which started off my section peep the concept you've got progress you've got congress we protest in hopes they confess just proceed on your conquest. So I snapped you on all of that and I just went a couple of lines after. <laughs> nice. I just, I just loved how he was playing with the words here, playing with the pro and con prefixes throughout this section. You've got obviously concept progress congress protest confess proceed conquest and i like i just like it when writers play with words in a way that's more than just you know just saying the thing they're just there to say what i want to say but the words themselves are doing something interesting like weighing up pros and cons it is interesting he says you've got progress 
So it sounds like somebody else is moving forward, but he isn't. Uh, maybe it's different community. Maybe it's politicians helping themselves, and and he's not moving forward because they've got Congress. He hasn't, and all he does have is protest and the hope that politicians might tell the truth, that they might con confess. We've seen in the news recently. I don't know if you saw one of the Supreme Court justices, Clarence Thomas failed to declare donations from conservative organizations, hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of vacations and trips and things like that. They only have to declare donations over $100,000 and he's saying he didn't need to declare this and that and whatnot. But to me, like the fact that a Supreme Court judge can take a donation from anyone is bonkers. <laughs> I don't understand. They're like the highest judge in, in the country, the most important, like, bedrock of the system and you can take donations political donations it's just unbelievable to me and stuff like that just seems it sometimes seems almost impossible to stop like you feel like you, there's nothing you can do about it it's just too big of a problem which sounds really really cynical and defeatist and so sometimes you know sometimes you do feel like that and perhaps Absol feels like that and so maybe he just sits back and says proceed on your conquest like, I don't have the energy to fight it anymore. I don't know if that's what he's going for, but it's kind of what I felt. Uh, incredible take, man. Uh, this might be Bars Rhymes and Life first in the, on the basis that I feel like you said everything that I needed to say. I don't need to say anything more <laughs> other than what you needed to say. The only thing I'd add is that, you know, I took the, the extra two lines afterwards that I ain't got no gavel... Uh, I ain't finna fight nobody's battle. I just want to be free. I ain't finna be anybody's chow. And all I wanted to add to everything that you said was those two lines that he ends most of the chorus with as well, and I think Dave does the same, is the objectivity. He He's not biased. He's just saying how he feels, what his opinions are, what his thoughts. But he's like, I'm not trying to fight anybody's fight. I'm not even trying to fight i just want to kind of just be me uh, i'm not trying to be anything else other than myself and i appreciate that i appreciate when people try to say like I, he's not especially with the gavel line i'm not trying to condemn anyone or point the finger at anyone i'm just just telling you as it is the way i am right now i love that yes nice i'm up again nose candy rain like soul for real my baby needs some Enfamil, so bags get stuff like Oprah Grill. Nose kinda rang like sulfur. My baby needs some Enfamil, so bags get stuff like Oprah Grill. Jeez. I love Danny Brown's style of rapping. Uh, it, it, it sounds so unconventional, and he has a real drawl to his voice. You hear it when he speaks. It's not just when he's rapping. And it just gives his bars this really interesting flow which I, I sometimes i find it hard to decipher like i have to give it a couple of listens sometimes to catch what he's what he's saying but i just i like what i like about the bars on this track is they feel they feel personal and they feel real but here he talks about having a, a cocaine habit uh, the nose candy rain an allusion to that and a baby needing some emphamil which is obviously formula like baby formula and so he sells some drugs to get money for that and I feel like I can relate in a little bit because I've been buying a lot of baby formula recently and then that shit is not cheap. And some people will say, oh, why don't you just use breast milk? And, and firstly, not everyone can for, for any number of reasons. 
But secondly, even if you do at some point, you're probably still going to need to supplement it with formula when you start changing the food, etc. So there are lots of reasons. So for a lot of people, it's just a must have. And I think there was a shortage recently in the US. And, and I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. Like even over here, there isn't a shortage as far as I'm aware, but it's still like formula is still one of the most targeted items for thieves. And I only noticed this when I started buying it and realizing that every single tub is in a case. Alarm tag yeah, on yeah, it. it's tagged or in yeah, a case. Or it's in yeah. a case. Absolutely. And I was like, oh, of course, it makes sense. And I don't imagine for a second that there were just loads and loads of mothers going in there stealing it. I suspect it's professional thieves who are then selling it to the mothers. And, you know, if you're, if you know someone down the pub who's able to sell you formula for half the price and you're struggling to pay your gas bill, like, you're, you're going to turn a blind eye and I'm not going to judge you for doing that. Like people are struggling and you don't ask questions. And it seems to be the same for, for Danny Brown. Like he gets the, he needs the formula, so he does what he has to do. Completely agree with everything that you said there. I think there's just one small cohort of people that I feel like you left out. And that is the pharmacist, pharmacist, Abby having to stare a poor mother in the face saying, really sorry, your baby's milk that, you know, because your baby's lactose intolerant or something is out of stock with the supplier. Oh, the, you know, and I, the, I feel the guilt. I feel the guilt so bad. Yeah. But and I can't imagine what she's going through as well. But the frustration you get sometimes. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you do it? And I'm like, I didn't know. Really. I didn't know. I took the uh, yeah. man, it's, it's, it's tough. It is tough, man. And everything you said there, I completely agree with, man. No issues at all. Shout out to all the pharmacists. Jeez, I got, I got back my crew, it. Even though they really deserve it half the time. I'm the best pharmacist in the UK. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. <laughs> Bars, you're up again. Feel my pain going insane. I'm ashamed. Because I ain't got shit but an EBT card from a fiend that owe me and it's in her daughter's name. How the fuck they supposed to eat? How the fuck am I supposed to eat? Got a N-word in the streets, no healthcare. Trying to slang weed just to put shoes on his feet. So fuck you. You don't give a fuck about me. Can't get a job if they drug test me. Got a N-word stressed, depressed. Got a feeling in his chest. And the world stripped of happiness. I ain't got no gavel. I ain't trying to fight nobody's battle. I just want to be free. I ain't finna be nobody's shadow. Feel my pain, going insane. I'm ashamed. Cause I ain't got shit but an EBT card from a fiend that owe me in a center daughter name. How the fuck is they supposed to eat? How the fuck am I supposed to eat? Got a nigga in the streets, no healthcare, trying to slang weed to the white shoes on the feet. So fuck you, you don't get a fuck about me. Can't get a job if they drug test me. Got a nigga stressed up, press, got a fell out of the chest, and a world strip of happiness. I ain't got no gavel, I ain't trying to fight nobody back. I just want to be free, I ain't finna be nobody. Bars, I snapped you on the, the first half of that. So when you reeled off uh, an earlier set of bars and you said, look, I had to put it all in. That's, I was laughing, I was, I was smirking really hard because I was like, Alan, this tracks made me do the exact same thing as you. I just didn't <laughs> want to uh, break your flow when, when you mentioned it. I wanted to touch on something about the EBT card. I don't know if you know what the EBT card is. Yeah, the, the like food stamps thing. Yeah, basically. And I just kind of wanted to say, uh, we, we've got like a system in the NHS. Like we're, we're, I feel like, yes, 
I'm not terribly proud about the service that the NHS has been providing over the last 10, 15 years, especially under a specific government. It's not that I'm politically driven in any way or whatever. But one thing that I had to, that I learned at a very young age when I was working with my dad was it's very wrong to do unconscious decision making and an unconscious stereotyping. And we have a situation where when people come to get uh, medicines from us, you have to you have to tick at the back of the prescription why you may get the prescription for free, right? And what I've had to coach my teams when I've had teams that work underneath me was always ask if they pay. Nothing can be more embarrassing when you just when you just assume that this person doesn't pay for their prescription maybe because of the way that they look, maybe because of the way that they're behaving. If they're on a specific type of medicine, you know. So there's certain medicines that you know that this person doesn't pay because they're on a life to, lifelong condition. And based on the medication you've got, no customer, no one's going to feel some type of way. But I've had situations where staff have just for no, like, I don't know what their reasons were or I don't know what their reason were to assume that individual didn't pay for their prescription. And I've had situations, not often, but I've had situations where, rightly so, patients have said, why do you think I don't pay for my prescription? And they don't pay. But you you know for a fact that they you're making that person feel some type of way because you've made an assumption. And I thought that nothing described what, that person might be feeling. And I, I remember a specific woman saying to me, like saying, like she asked to speak to the manager. So I had to come out and I basically had to like address the situation. And she said like, you know, and she was really reasonable about it, but she was like, hey, I don't pay for my prescriptions, but it's because I got made redundant three months ago and I've hadn't been able to get a job since. And it's not nice that your your this your colleagues just assumes that I don't pay for it. Like I'd rather just be asked if I do or I don't. It's a it's a it's an integrity thing, you know what I mean? And it and it's massive. And I feel like what what Danny put in this verse, I can't get over how secretly low key powerful this verse is for me. It 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 really it, it sounds and it reads so desperate and so sad. And it's so easy to judge people and I just think that when I read a verse like this and I listen to a verse like this, it really centers me and it it makes me aggressive towards people that are just fucking wankers in this world, right? But it really makes me really empathetic towards people that are just like in a fucked up struggle. And I just thought this this verse was just incredible. I thought it was an incredible way. You know, it's really sad, but it's just powerful in so many ways, bro. I hope I did a good job of explaining that. Yeah, 100% as... I couldn't agree with you more. I almost highlighted the whole thing as well, like you have. I think that the context maybe for an American is that in the UK, you have a fixed price for uh, prescriptions unless you're on some kind of benefit and then you don't pay for it. It's a very low price considering what you guys are used to, but it's a fixed price. And yeah, like I, if I go pick up medicine for Mary, she's exempt because she's recently had a baby. You get exemption for a year and you, you tell them, but they always ask you, but in my experience, they always ask you, do you pay? You say yes or no. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. I, I love this verse so much. And this these bars in particular, the bit about the EBT card, 
probably my favorite bar of the track because it's just so real. Like I said before, how it's easy to talk about the good things, but it's not as easy to talk about the hard times, like when you're down. And and Danny sounds like he's down here. Like you said, the EBT card is a type of welfare electronic benefit transfer. I've learned it stands for. Essentially, it's money you get that you can spend in shops where they accept that payment for food. We don't have this in the UK. As far as I'm aware, we don't have anything like this. You receive benefits as just money straight into your bank account, which I personally think is much better because then you don't have to worry about which shops are going to accept it and which ones aren't. And also, you don't have to feel any kind of way about using it. Like No one knows where the money came from. You're just using your money. You don't have to show them the card and say, hey, I... I'm in this situation right now. And that I, I kind of felt that because I know when I used to have free school meals, we had to have a little token. I always felt a bit embarrassed having to use this token. It's a very like obvious sign that you're getting your stuff free. And then when they switched to a card system, uh, coincidentally, it meant that no one knew because everyone used the same card. It's just that mine came with a bit of preloaded money on it. So yeah, like uh, uh, Danny here is is feeling ashamed because... He's got nothing apart from this EBT card. But it's not his card. He took it as payment from a fiend. But it wasn't her card. It's in her daughter's name. Yeah, fucked, isn't it? Ah, so this person who is buying drugs from Danny, paying off the debt, and using her daughter's card to pay for the for the debt. And like he says, how the fuck are they supposed to eat? And and I just think it's hard hitting because he's not bragging here. He's ashamed. This isn't like a brag. And what he's doing is essentially taking food off of someone's table. It, even though it's the mother that's initially taking the card. He's part of that chain. He's part of that process. And he recognizes the consequences of this transaction. He's like, I know what the implication of this is. I know what's going to happen. But then how the fuck is he supposed to eat? So, uh, like I said before, like he needs to eat, he needs to get his formula. So he feels like he doesn't have a choice, and there just aren't any winners in this situation. Like Danny gets paid, but he feels ashamed, and he says it's driving him him insane, like affecting his mental health, being stuck in this cycle. And I just, I just love how raw and real this is. It's the opposite of glamour. It's grimy. It's real. And and I just kind of respect Danny for putting himself in their shoes, and you know, the shoes of the person who owed him money i just think it, it shows a lot of kind of character to put yourself in that position and own up to like that was a low point in my life absolute facts man incredible track man unbelievable track i'm so glad you brought it and i'm so glad i i, I genuinely was not expecting to feel the way i felt after listening to this track and going through the lyrics so uh nothing but love to absol and all of Absol's fans. Nothing but love to Danny Brown and all of his fans. Nothing but love to all the BRL listeners out there. And nothing but love to you, Alan. One. Peace. Right,